Malachi chapter 2, verses 10 through 16. Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless, and abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit, and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. So we're continuing on with covenants and uh, namely covenants that are not being honored. And <laughs> we we start, uh, you know, with this big picture uh, God as the father and creator of all, and then the covenant between God and Israel and Judah. And then we end with infidelity and in marriage. So we cover quite a bit of uh, a you know spectrum today. So uh, will, what are what are your thoughts on everything going on, all this talk about covenants and infidelity and what it means for us? Well, you're right that it's striking that we have throughout these pictures of how the people should behave and how they fail to do that. And even the imagery mm -hmm. of a father before has been used in one six. So a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am mm -hmm. a father, where is my honor? Uh, yeah. and so that's picked up again here. But I also think we're going to go into uh, the way that fathers treat their children later as well. So mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of calling out these leaders in Israel in all the various ways where they have authority. They're failing mm -hmm. to employ that authority in a way that honors God. And ultimately, the reason they're doing that is because they don't recognize God as the ultimate authority. And we were talking mm -hmm. about that a couple of days ago, the, the importance of perspective in this text and how repeated mm -hmm. over and over again, Lord of hosts. And we're not supposed to forget the significance of that, right? The Lord of heaven's armies, as the NLT translates it, right? Yeah. Uh, it's supposed to get across to us who this is that we're talking about. This is yeah. the great and almighty God. But that gets played out in this passage in the particular context of marriage. Mm -hmm. And to think that the way that husbands treat their wives reflects directly on the way that they honor God. 
mm-hmm. is a, I mean, it's again, a convicting thing. This passage, this book is all about convicting us uh, for the ways that we don't take our relationship with God seriously enough. Mm. Uh, yeah. And of course, divorce here is held out as the ultimate thing that husbands should avoid in relationship to their wives. Uh, but I think there are a lot of steps before divorce that would also disappoint God and that are implied here, right? Not loving their wives mm. appropriately, uh, not uh, caring for them as they should. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, at its worst, that leads to divorce. But there's a sense in which God is using this relationship between a husband and a wife as yet another image of the way Absolutely. people should love the Lord, which is what happens throughout the Bible, right? It, that that the marriage image gets picked up over and over again as a picture mm-hmm. of God's love for us and the type of love that we should have for him. Yeah. You haven't read Hillbilly Elegy, have you? I have. Yeah. It's been a while. Okay. So I, uh, I was actually kind of thinking about this, that book. I'm, I'm listening to it right now. Um, and with verse 13, there's sort of this, um, yeah, so it's like you you cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning. You know, there there's this big old, you know, lamentation and uh pity party going on and they're they're just questioning like why is God distant from us? And it's a very blunt answer. It's like because you're a people of adultery and infidelity. And you know, you kind of are just carried by the winds of your own selfish desire. And uh, it made me think of, of um, Hillbilly, Hillbilly Elegy because basically it's this guy's family memoir um, and it kind of is a deep dive into impoverished rural white communities and how there's sort of this like societal victim complex that actually blinds them from seeing the reality of, you know, like a lot of these people who uh, they will be like terrible employees and you know, will take like hour long bathroom breaks five times a day and then they'll get fired. But then like their whole cultural narrative is like that the culture is out to get them. Mm-hmm. And they're totally blind to the fact that a lot of the hardship they're facing is because of, you know, their own um, personal failures. And I think we kind of see that dynamic here in Malachi. And I think we can actually see that uh, really clearly in, in the church and in our own lives is there's these times where, and, and I've certainly experienced this. Um, I remember in college, there was a time where I felt very distant from God. And I felt like God was being very aloof to me. And I was so frustrated. And I, and I remember praying through this and I was hit by this wave of conviction from the spirit, basically saying like, you, you've turned away, you know, like, this time a year ago, you were studying scripture, you were memorizing, you were doing all this stuff and you've turned away from that. And now you're accusing me of creating this separation. Mm-hmm. It was a, a, a great moment of like conviction for me mm-hmm. and, and realizing like so much of my spiritual frustration was actually rooted on my unfaithfulness. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Will. Yeah, well... <laughs> This passage is fascinating because on the one hand, I think it is very concretely calling the men of Israel to honor their marriage vows 
and mm. supporting that by the fact that the Lord is witness to those vows. Uh, yeah. And that may be partly behind the fact that we still do wedding weddings in churches uh, to reflect yeah. the sense that the Lord is involved in this. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's talking about that very concretely, and I don't want to overlook that because it's really important. But on the other hand, it's also using marriage as this broader metaphor. And you can tell because in verse 11, it says, For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. So that's not actually a guy named Judah who marries a woman <laughs> who is the daughter of a god, right? That's idolatry. Mm -hmm. And yeah. this is constantly happening in the Bible, the interweaving of the marriage image, marriage metaphor and idolatry. But I think it gets to the point that you're trying to make, Will, which is that if we're going to worship other gods, we can't at the same time expect to be near to God, right? And, and mm -hmm. that worshiping of other gods is not as explicit as setting up an idol to Baal or some foreign god in our mm -hmm. bedroom, but mm -hmm. it's through all kinds of decisions that we make we put other mm -hmm. things first in our lives. And mm -hmm. will it should it surprise us at all if when we do that, we feel a distance from God when we prioritize mm -hmm. things over him? Mm -hmm. uh, so some of the things we've talked about in previous days as we've been working through Malachi, you know, are you prioritizing your worship of God or do you bring God what, the leftovers of your time and effort mm -hmm. and finances? Those are potentially indications to us that we're worshiping something else instead of him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, this, this image of, of adultery and being linked directly to the spiritual state and health of Judah and Israel is very reminiscent of the prophet Hosea. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so, uh, we see kind of an interconnectedness there. And, you know, I, I think it, just another, this, you know, there's a lot here, but we see like God's purpose for marriage um, is not, you know, just blatant self-fulfillment. It's not a hall pass to have sex, but it's actually a spiritual discipline of commitment and, you know, self-sacrifice and um, that it's, it's not like the easiest thing in the world. Um, and, and that's by design, but it, it is, you know, far more fulfilling than just, um, you know, sexual anarchy. Yeah. And so uh, I think we see God's heart here for, you know, what exactly the purpose of this union is and how it's something that's supposed to point us back in faithfulness towards God. Yeah. And, so. and one final point would be, I see behind this text a lot of allusions to Genesis 1 and 2. Uh, mm. and you have this idea of the man and woman being unified, becoming one, but also that God seeks in verse 15, godly offspring. And what is that command that God gives humanity, man and woman, at the end of Genesis 1, but to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and have dominion over it? And mm -hmm. there's a sense in which that's concrete, like actually having children is a way of being fruitful and multiplying and filling the earth. But as we understand mm -hmm. this from a New Testament context, we see that godly offspring can be far more than just physical babies, uh, but it can also be drawing people into the family of God, right? So someone who yeah. is not married or is unable to have children can still bear many godly offspring that bring 
God glory and ultimately fulfill what he is seeking. Right? Right? That's what it says in, in verse 15. That's what God seeks is godly offspring. So seeking in any way that the Lord provides for you to bear those godly offspring and thereby glorify his name throughout the earth. Yeah, absolutely. Man, well, great call to faithfulness today from Malachi 2. Will Kynes, this is Will Carlisle, and we surely hope to see you tomorrow on our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.